was first this I was first this time. Crazy how that works. I did want to start us off on a bit of a somber note today. Um, because if you, especially if you're a golf fan, you just witnessed the worst tragedy in all of sports history when at the PGA Championship at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, beers were going for $18 a can. That is oh. horrific, and I am very sorry for anyone who had to experience the tortures of having to pay $18 for a Michelob Ultra. This is why you go on the corporate tag, because then your company's already paying for the beer, and you don't have to. <sighs> Brutal. So, luckily for us, we're not golf fans. We are football fans, and we are the oh, big dudes that the <laughs> And we're going to talk about some NFL news, some college news, uh, and a fun little segment that we've added to this week's show and next week's show. Actually, we're going to be looking at a, a tier list, essentially. We're going to be making our own tier list of every NFL team's offseason moves, acquisitions, re-signings, Coaching staff changes, front office changes, all that sort of cool stuff that affects the product on the field. Basically how their uh, football operations team did the entire offseason. Basically. So we're starting today with the AFC. Next week is the NFC. But stay tuned for that. we got a lot of news to get through first. Uh, Bub will be joining us here shortly. His son just uh, browned his diaper. Wanted to have a conversation with us, too, the entire time. So, great time there. I'm sure I'm sure Bug is very happy to be spending his time cleaning a dirty diaper. And not on the podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think he's cleaning the dirty diaper. He's probably just changing it. I mean, I don't know. Baby formula shortages might be diaper shortages, too. Anyway, back to fun stuff. Okay, so... <laughs> We got some NFL news. Uh, let's go ahead and get started here. Holy crap, signings are happening again. I know. It took a while after the draft. Teams are finally having some activity once again. Uh, we'll start off with the signings, I guess. Uh, Jarvis Landry headed to the Saints. Uh, Philip Lindsay headed to the Colts. A couple of big pieces on offense. Or, I mean, big, depending on how you define either one of those guys, honestly. But I mean... Jarvis Landry to the Saints makes a lot of sense for me. They needed more receiver help. He's a solid, again, not, now you have that XYZ receiver set up that every team is looking for nowadays, right? You got Michael Thomas is your ex. Jarvis Landry is a solid wide. You got Chris Olave filling that Z slot. Um, that being said, him and Jarvis Landry can can flip-flop based on the formation, right? That neither, neither one are really tied to that one specific place on the field. So this makes a ton of sense for me. It's another speed guy out there to help them with the way they're building that offense. And I, I love this signing. It's a fantastic fit. And then Philip Lindsay, you got to think, is basically a Marlon Mack replacement, the way it worked out. I know they play very different roles. I, I think Philip Lindsay is to the Colts that he was to the Dolphins last year. Uh, he's an insurance policy. Uh, you have a star back in, in Jonathan Taylor, uh, fantastic running back out there. Uh, so now you have that insurance back of, God forbid something happens, I at least have a usable running back behind him. A couple of signings on defense as well. You have James Bradbury staying in the same division. Got cut by the Giants and picked up I think, the next week by the Eagles. One year, 10 mil. 
again, it's a depth pickup. I, I, I like it. It's a solid fit. He's going to find a spot to play there. Honestly, probably you got to think James Bradbury is going to be probably their number two with Darius Slay on the other yeah. side. Honestly, Probably yeah. starting right away. They didn't have much at corner. Uh, but the big, big story of any contract negotiations has to be Jair Alexander getting like $30 million to sign the contract alone and then like $1 million to play this coming season. So the salary cap is definitely paid. Jesus. I honestly... I'm more upset, not about him getting signed, that you forgot that I sent to you earlier this week that Melvin Ingram got signed by the Dolphins. Another yeah, edge rusher. I didn't care. <laughs> Look, we put every Bears player that gets cut. Even I don't care who it is. Uh, yeah, but this is one Melvin of their Ingram, names. Like 817 years old. So, I mean, come on. I, it's still, again, it's another depth piece that makes sense for Miami. I like it. Let me talk about my team. <clears throat> this is the off season. I have hope right now. And we lost Bug again. So we're now we're going <laughs> to talk about Deshaun Watson. <laughs> uh, a couple of things going on with him. Apparently, first of all, there's a hearing in Texas where he's having to explain some of his massages. Fun time for all, I'm sure. <laughs> so I hired her. She came over. She gave me a massage and she left. Very, very exciting stuff. Could you provide some more details? Yeah, so she no. came over and then she left. <laughs> Can you provide more details? No. And then pro- proceeds to provide less details. That'd be great. Uh, Deshaun Watson is also taking the entire offense, uh, presumably minus Baker Mayfield, to the Bahamas to do some workouts. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine if he invited Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield's looking at that like – Bro, what the hell? <laughs> like, I mean, he probably did invite oh Baker Mayfield. God, Why not? Amazing. Honestly, Why this not? is a hell of a way to buy buy favor with your new team, especially when you're going to probably be sitting for a year. Well, I'm sorry, three games, according to the uh, NFL's history of domestic violence uh, suspensions. Well, this one we have even less solid proof, so we're going to say zero games. Ah, yes. Uh, and more like a $30 fine. No. All coming out of his salary this year, it, which it'd be hurts 600, a lot because he's, like, getting paid a vet men. <laughs> it, it'd be $666 because Roger Goodell wants him to think that he's the devil. Dude, that was a reach. Anyway. I know. I tried. Give me a break. No, never. Fair. <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, we got some Drew Brees information. Um, not really information, speculation is probably more accurate. He is not coming back to NBC. At least that's the conversation right now. I guess that's technically still on the table if he wanted to do that. But right now it seems like he's not going to be back in NBC. He said he hates doing studio stuff. Just likes (laughs) to, you know, talk about games. I thought that was more of the job than doing studio stuff. So that makes sense. You know, there's parts of every job that people don't normally see. And I'm sure most of that stuff sucks for and he's every got, job. And he's got the money that if he doesn't want to do the crappy stuff, he doesn't have right. to. So he threw a lot of gasoline on the fire when in his little Twitter post, he said one of the things he mentioned he might be doing this coming season is playing football. Um, with the Saints, I highly doubt it. Although I'm sure they start, would take him back. I want to start the rumor of Drew Brees, the FCF, 
And I'm going to caveat that and say Drew Brees to some sort of XFL job. Maybe not playing football, but Drew Brees to the XFL makes a lot of sense right now to me. I mean, so does Drew Brees to the FCF. That's I, I, I don't disagree. I just see all of the partnerships that, that the XFL is trying to set up, and Drew Brees would be a big name to draw attention to it. Granted, he would be for any league. Um, I don't know. I I want to be different. Let me be different and not. You guys say FC, FCF, I say XFL. I mean, the FCF also made a fake tweet saying that he was considering the FCF. So, I mean, they're way out in front of this. The XFL is <laughs> quiet. And they've got other shit they've been announcing. And we'll talk about that later. The XFL is so far away. It doesn't even count right now. Yeah. XFL doesn't exist. <laughs> but, hey, welcome to the show, Bug. <laughs> yeah. Good to have you talking. Yeah. It's cleaned what up you your shirt. No big deal. I was going to say, well, did you wash your hands? Listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah, good. We ended up talking at the same time. It's all good. Love it. <laughs> so we basically talked about all the NFL stuff while you were gone, and now we have a bunch of college stuff. So <laughs> go ahead and jump in. You have a lot of college news this week. I'll try to keep some of this pretty short. Um, but there's a lot of interesting stuff going on that I think is worth talking about. So, Doug, you want this first one? Look, I'm looking at this list of transfers, and my God, the all-name team is getting some serious contenders this year. Uh, but my my favorite one, uh, take this for what you will, but uh, I might have to be a Sooners fan this year because Oklahoma went on and landed uh, JUCO transfer quarterback General Booty, which – it's just hilarious to me, and I, I don't know. I, I don't understand how parents could hate their children like that. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And we see the true age of John Tugas Jr. <laughs> I know I'm hating on you for no reason. General Booty's hilarious. Uh, there, are a bunch <laughs> of other, there are a bunch of other quarterback transfers we'll be talking about. Grant Gunnell. Is one. Uh, he started his collegiate career at Arizona before transferring to Memphis. Never played a game for Memphis. Actually sat out all the entire season last year. And then is now transferring once again to North Texas. So quite the <laughs> quite the change of scenery there. Uh, I think he'll be eligible to actually play this season. So that's something, I guess. Well, I think he was hurt ball. all last season. I'm not sure. Yeah, there was. I think there was a combination of things. He definitely got hurt at some point. So, it was, yeah, bad time at Memphis. <laughs> and then For Taysom him. Pumachon. That's the other all-name guy right there. Say it again which, so, I know, so I know how to pronounce it. Uh, it's Taysom Pumachon. Okay. Um, he started a couple of games for Clemson when – I think Trevor Lawrence was out for like a game or two and he started a couple of games two years ago. And then when DJ, uh, yeah. How is that? The the one that is announced all the time is the one you can't get. Cause I hate him. So he he doesn't, he overthought it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) he also got hurt a little bit last year. So Pumachan had to come in for him as well for a couple of games. Uh, he has 12 games total of playing experience. 
in some capacity over his three years at Clemson. So not a ton. He is a former four-star quarterback, though, and the former number four quarterback in his class. So pretty big addition to Georgia Tech, where he's headed. Their incumbent starter, Jeff Sims, is a redshirt sophomore this season. So, yeah, I think it'll be Pumachan's job to lose <laughs> coming in. I, I love your note here. Incumbent starter, Jeff Sims, won't be too happy. He also wasn't good last year, so that makes sense. You know, he's not terrible. He has potential. But it would be great for him that's, to sit a year. <laughs> that's... He already Let's did. He's already been redshirt. Let's sit another year, and then he's got five years of eligibility. It's fine. Also, right. also, then... just just throwing out there: when you say somebody's not terrible, they have potential. That just means that they're terrible, and you're being nice about it. Not always. Uh, like I could say the same thing about Zach Wilson right now. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, one last bit of player news for NCAA right now. Uh, Purdue's top returning receiver, Milton Wright, has been ruled academically ineligible for the upcoming season and has been kicked off the team. Uh, there were previous academic issues with him. He missed the bowl game due to some bad grades. Um, and now, apparently, just like, I don't know how it would be this bad that you would be kicked off the team right now. You would basically have to just stop going to class, I guess. Which is isn't Purdue like the GPA school of the Big Ten too? No, um, be Northwestern. Yeah, it's more Northwestern. Uh, Purdue is a good school for certain things, but it's definitely not a good school if you're an athlete. Let's let's be real. Like basketball every now and then. Engineering is their thing, and it's really yeah. freaking hard to be an engineering student and be a student athlete. Yeah, there are some programs it's just easier to do as a student athlete. Let's be real, like um, business, right? It's a exactly. pu- I mean, it's a public university, and it's not to say that public universities are boss or whatever, but it's definitely not on that same level as Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern is the GPA school for sure. Uh, it used to be University of Chicago, but now they're D three. So, <laughs> um, the Flames. Then we have some coaching news as well. I thought this was interesting, even though he's not in a big role. Freddie Kitchens, former head coach of the Cleveland Browns, is now a senior analyst for South Carolina. The Cox. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful addition um, there. I hope he's not analyzing the offense because that didn't go well. Can't I mean, go worse. Have you watched South Carolina in the past few years? They show flashes and somehow beat Georgia most years. And now they also have Spencer Rattler, so we'll see. So he went to the real USC, and Lincoln Riley went to the other USC. Got it. Yes. That is a fact. <laughs> no, 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 no. Lincoln Riley went to the Trojans to cover the Cox. Okay. Ryan, God they got an extension. <laughs> I hate both of you. Your reaction when we don't react is so much better than your joke. I, I That's know. That's why I don't react. I know. <laughs> it's also much more fun to deadpan your jokes. 
so Ryan Day got an extension. Uh, we've already talked about this a little bit before the show. I am surprised that he got an extension this soon after losing the game. But, you know, he's also a good coach. 34-4 and four overall. With two Big Ten titles in three full seasons. Uh, four consecutive semesters now with every player on the team having at least a 3.0 GPA. That played a big part in this as well. He's been very consistent about the importance of education and the support system there with education. And also his focus on mental health. I mean, he's talked about how his, his dad committed suicide when he was very young. And so to have a player come out and say that he was having suicidal thoughts and Ryan Day was there to help him through that, that's a very big deal. And that's very important to the school. So they locked the guy up. Uh, $9.5 million now through 2028. That is that puts him tied for the third most money of any coach in NCAA. Tied with Mel Tucker and Brian Kelly. Um, number one would be Lincoln Riley. Number two is Nick Saban. So, that's, yeah, that's a pretty upper echelon of coaches. Hello, small child. I, I personally, I like the signing. Ryan Day is, seems to be a great fit for Ohio State. Although I do agree with what our conversation was earlier, he needs to win at least one game this year, and by at least one game, it needs to be the right game. Um, that's just that's just where I'm at. If he wins one game next year, he's going to be fired. Not if it's the right game. If you keep a coach that goes one in ten around when you have national championship aspirations, priority is really fucked up. Here's the deal. You need to win every other game as well. This one just matters like double. It it just Okay, so he essentially wins two games, so he still lost another ten. I'm not saying he's allowed to lose. I didn't I didn't say no, I know you didn't. John did. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's a bad way to phrase it, but uh, no, it, it yeah, it's kind of championship or bust this year. Honestly, it feels that way, and it starts with winning the game. So we'll see what happens. I would have liked to see the results of this season before giving him this kind of money, but also, yeah, it's Ryan Day is pretty good. You also got to think though, is if he came around and won a championship, he'd have been more expensive. So this could have been a, honestly a money saving move. I mean, not much. You really gonna pay him more than ten mil? I mean, nobody. If he wins you a national championship, yeah, maybe. Okay, well, it's Ohio State. You draw him twelve. Who cares? (laughs) Uh, uh, Moving on. (laughs) Uh, BYU Utah State is putting their rivalry on hold after this year's edition, as BYU is entering the Big Twelve. Starting in 2023, uh, they've been playing. They met 90 times since 1922. The all-time record stands at 50, 37, and three in favor of BYU. And BYU has also won the last two in a row. Uh, the trophy, the old wagon wheel, has been around since 1948, and it's it's kind of sad to see a rivalry die like that due to conference realignment. We've seen that happen several times here. Over the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it's happened quite a few times. Uh, 
to a bunch of different rivalries and a lot bigger ones than this one. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. At the same time, you know, playing each each other basically every year since 1922, that is still a big deal. And losing that, it should matter. Yeah, no, it it shouldn't. It does. This is, it, this one doesn't feel as permanent as the Texas A&M and Texas one was. I say was because it's probably coming back, um, but it still hurts to lose it even for a few years while they make the transition. Um, I would say this one hurts for BYU and Utah State, but as far as like the bigger, you know, bigger college football landscape, I don't know how many people are clamoring to watch this game every year. The same way people wanted to right. watch Texas, Texas A&M, or <laughs> wanted to watch Nebraska and uh, Texas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, you know, watch those games. So, Well, even <laughs> in the landscape of college football, BYU-Utah is bigger than BYU-Utah State. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just, again, losing a, oh. a long-standing rivalry sucks. Yeah. yeah. Anytime. I misread um, that and misheard you. I thought we were just talking Utah the whole time anyway. My bad. Well, that's how much BYU matters to college football. Take that, morons. Uh, <laughs> so some conference news here. The ACC is looking into a three-five-five schedule model for football. That would mean you have three permanent rivals that you play every single year, and then every other year you rotate between five schools. So you play everybody and inside of a two-year window. Uh, which makes a lot more sense than the current division setup. Like, for example, in the SEC, I know Florida hasn't played Texas A&M, like, but one time since they've all been in the SEC together. Like, that's not really a conference anymore at some point, right? So there needs to be some kind of a change. This actually makes a lot more sense to me than the traditional pod setup, where, you know, you have, instead of a four-year rotation, you have a two-year rotation. Everybody's guaranteed to be playing everyone in the conference at some point. And I like this a lot. I do, too. Um, and the ACC needs it. They need to get their guy, especially with how sporadic their, their conference is in terms of talent. They really need to get it mixed up to, to get, you know, Clemson playing the top, what's left of the top-end programs in that, you know, to get Miami playing Clemson more often, things like that. So I like it Clemson, too. But they didn't even win their own division last year. Was Pitt and like yes, but they're the big name. They're the big name program in the ACC right now. Yes, they have been for Miami's come seven back, years, seven eight years. I don't know. My point is that this this is a good thing, and I'm glad that yeah. the ACC is doing this. And kind of like you've got here in the notes, you know, it's not going to be two division, two conferences essentially just playing as the ACC. We've got another conference that's doing that too. And while I think it was a great move for the ACC, I think the other conference is doing it to try and regain some relevance. And maybe that'll help. The other conference you're talking about is the Pac-12, and they're not looking at this specific model. What they're doing right now is keeping the division model, but instead of having the division winners play each other for the conference championship, they're just taking the two best teams overall, no matter what division they're in. So that makes even less sense. The Pac-12 is freaking stupid. Yeah, I was going to say, because when you look at the, the Pac-12 North, they have a lot more talent there historically than the Pac-12 South. But uh, the Pac-12... 
but the Pac-12 North will also beat itself up a little bit more than the Pac-12 South. You're going to have the one or two teams that run through the Pac-12 South, one or two losses in conference, and you're going to have a good chunk of one, two, three-team losses in the Pac-12 North. Yeah, I'm not prepared to say that. That's how it's well, been I just did, five okay. years, but I wouldn't say that. I mean, in the North, what are you really looking at? You're looking at Oregon and Washington as really the two dominant powers. Washington State can't make anything consistently. Oregon State's been bad since the 40s. You know, you have Stanford. Okay, they had a couple of good seasons with Andrew Luck. What else are you going to do? David Shaw hasn't been even considered a good coach anymore because I, even though he's recruiting at a high level and he's like one of the voices of college football, he can't win more than four games. But what like, are you looking at? The North's not that great. And then you have USC on the rise again, at least in maybe. Three. Paying for it, certainly. So yes. they're going to get some wins. Utah has been great for a while, honestly. I think this is kind of born out of uh, the issues the issues that arose from the 2020 season. All right. When you look at that, right. USC went 5-1, and one, and they played the Pac-12 North champion. A three and one Washington. Of course, this was a COVID season, games not happening, all of that nonsense. You had Colorado, who was four and two. So more wins, one more loss, but they played two more games. Then you had Oregon, who played more games than any of the teams that I mentioned going four and three and not getting a shot at the championship either, didn't, right? Didn't something funky happen? Yeah, Oregon that... was supposed to play, I believe. And they yeah. Had COVID. For the championship game, yeah, which is right. But again, again, Washington subs in, and then you know I already talked about Colorado being four and two overall. Stanford was also four and two overall. So you had two teams that could have filled in that were better. One of them happened to be in the Pac-12 South with USC. So I don't know. I the Pac-12 has always kind of ridden on this. We beat each other up so much. That's why we can't get somebody you know, rated, ranked high, blah, blah, blah. I missed the part where they were keeping the divisions. That makes zero sense to me. Because so right now they're only keeping the divisions through this season. I think it's just a matter of scheduling issues. They didn't want yeah. to the entire schedule right now. Where the ACC is just talking about this model. They're not going to implement it this year regardless. So they're going ahead and making that move right now to get rid of the division champs in the conference championship game. And then looking at realigning everything starting in 2023 for how the divisions yeah. would work, which is fair, but also why? If I, if I had to <laughs> guess, they'll probably follow this ACC model because it just makes too much sense, right? Yeah. My only issue with it is that it only works with 14 teams. Like, it's very hard to even recreate a number – set up similar to this with a different number of schools. So the SEC is going to have a hard time doing something like this with 16 teams now with Oklahoma and Texas running. The Big Ten can't do it because they play nine games instead of eight in in conference every year. So there needs to be more consistency across the board for everyone to be able to do this. I don't know if the Pac-12 can because they I don't think they have 14 teams, do they? No, I think they have 12. They have 12. They're one of the few that actually has how many they say they have. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so they have 12. 
the Arizona's UCLA, USC. The Arizona's the LA, Colorado, Utah. And then the Oregon's, the Washington's, Stanford, and Cal. Yep. Yeah. I don't even know who they would add to expand. They lost BYU. They lost their shot at them. That's the one that makes right, the most it sh- sense. It should have been BYU and Boise State. Yeah. But Boise State rejects them every single time, and BYU just went to the Big 12. Because the Pac-12 refused to agree to not let them play on Sundays. Well, to guarantee they wouldn't play on Sundays, which right. would require them to move the Pac-12 championship game, I think. I think that's really the only hang-up they would end up running into. Yeah, because which... they do it at, like, midnight even Pacific time. So mm-hmm. stupid. Yep. Yes. Hey, you're joining the Pac-12 team. I like it. I still like a lot of the teams in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 as a conference sucks. <laughs> like the way they're run. Worst commissioner, terrible. Pac-12 or Big Ten? Big Ten. So moving on. The <laughs> In addition to changing the rule that allows you to uh, – Basically, just forget the division champs and let you pick whoever you want to represent you in the conference championship game. The NCAA also passed a new rule this week, basically granting every school a two-year waiver on the incoming scholarship limit. So, this is one of those weird regulations that you don't really think about most of the time. Uh, Everybody hears about 85 scholarship limit. The 85 scholarship limit is for your entire team at the beginning of the season. You cannot be over 85 players on scholarship. There's also a limit on the number of players you can bring in, either through high school recruiting or from transfers. That limit is technically 25 players on a full scholarship every year. You can also have up to seven on top of that 25 for replacements if you lose players to the transfer portal. But now, for the next two years, NCAA got rid of that rule entirely and said, bring in as many people as you need to because COVID messed everybody up and you need to, people need to be able to bring in players. Um, so I kind of get it at the same time. If this has been the source of the problem, why are you still self-imposing the source of your problem again in two years? Because we're the NCAA and we need to keep to our traditions that are trash. We talked about this being an issue when they granted the additional year of eligibility during COVID. That what's going to happen with scholarship limits? And it turns out scholarship limits are just like the cap in the NFL. It doesn't exist, especially when the NCAA decides it doesn't. So uh, this is a mess. And just like we've seen with NIL, the NIL, the NCAA is way too reactive. Ultimately, I don't – they say they're going to do two years. At least they have a plan uh, moving forward with this, unlike they did with NIL. But, man, even after two years, you're going to have to refigure out how to get back down to 85 scholarships. I I don't know. Well, I think the 85 scholarship limit still applies even through this two years. It's just a matter of there were some teams who were having a hard time getting up to 85 scholarships because of that 25 limit and because they were losing so many players to transfers because of the transfer portal and the immediate eligibility rule change. That changed a lot of things, especially for smaller schools. So Alabama, Ohio State, Florida, Texas, A&M, Georgia, Oregon, they didn't have any of these problems, right? But the schools, like, I don't know, throw one out there, Fresno State, Bowling Green, a lot of their guys were leaving 
because they could have immediate eligibility somewhere else. There's no good reason to be a senior or a junior on the bench at a group of five school anymore. Because you can go find somewhere to start. You can. Yeah. And it'll be a year or two of guaranteed playing time, even if it means going down to FCS. Right? There are ways to find playing time now, and you don't risk your eligibility. So there were a lot of teams really struggling. I know UCLA was struggling to get to the 85 scholarship limit too. I mean, it makes sense. You need to be able to bring in transfers. And the seven replacements rule makes sense for a normal year. But with COVID and with like fifth-year and sixth-year seniors across the board, that became very difficult. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I don't know how they're going to get back because the only way I can envision this is you got to taper it over a four-year period. So even this year, like, you don't have a 25-player cap. You have a, you know, however many scholarship cap. Still can't go over the 85. That covers all the schools that are already at 85. They don't need to make any changes. But for, you know, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, you have a decreasing number of available scholarships until you get back to 25. Yeah, I mean, that would be a a goal. I don't know if that's even realistic. I think they just need to get rid of this goal entirely, to be honest with you. You're probably not wrong, but I know they're going to try everything they can, and that's kind of how the only way I can envision them doing it. Short answer is the NCAA will do everything to screw over everyone they're supposed to be helping. Jacks. Seeing some life for you. Well, that's all I got for college football. So, if we can keep Bug around for the entire segment here, <laughs> we need to talk about some non-NFL pro news. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we'll start off with the FCF because this is the one that I think any of us even watched. I didn't see any of the afternoon games, but I did catch the morning games. Uh, the Zappers get their first one of the season. 28-24 to 24 over Shivan Stars. Big win, especially considering they're the first team ever to be shut out in the FCF last week. Oof. Yeah, and coming off the heels of that trade involving Terrell Owens, Johnny Football finally got out on the field and actually contributed a lot to the Zappers' success this week. Uh, it was a great game down to the wire. Just didn't go the way for Shivan Stars. And two weeks in a row, they give a team their first win of the season. So... Kind of a kind of a tough look for them right now. Hey, they could have gone undefeated and they should have been stars, but you know. Speaking of undefeated, Board Ape Football Club is still undefeated, twenty-four to twenty-two over Knights of Degen this week. The team where TO went, and uh, this was close. It's been getting closer and closer. Maybe Board Ape Football Club loses this week. We'll have to see, and we'll talk about who they're playing this Saturday here momentarily. Other two games this week were Glacier Boys over the Beasts, 34-18, and Kingpins over 8-Oki, 34-28. That leads us straight into next week. The draft was happening earlier today, as well as some man-up challenges. So be sure to check out scf.io and see all the results of that. But we have the undefeated Board 8 Football Club going up against 8-Oki, 2-1-3, at 1 p.m. Eastern. Followed by should have been stars three and two against the two and three beasts at or sorry at one p.m. Eastern. Followed by, 
and it should have been stars beast or at 3 p.m eastern got my number got them mixed around there uh then on the nightcap we got the knights of degen three and two going against the kingpins two and three at 7 p.m eastern and the glacier boys two and three against the previously mentioned one and four zappers at 9 p.m eastern it looks like things are going to get pretty exciting uh, in both of these divisions, really, the Board 8 Football Club is kind of pulling away. Uh, they're looking like they're going to have that uh, NF team first place spot in the playoffs secured. Meanwhile, second place is up for grabs, and the entire OG division is really up for grabs. Should have been stars barely clinging on the first place there. Zappers coming back, baby. We're going to take it all. Dude, I'm telling you, they, they did it last year. I mean, there were only four teams. Everybody was in the playoffs, so you know. And then they yeah. lost in the first round anyway. So no, they no, they went to the championship and lost to the. No, they did stars. not. I thought they did. It was nope. Glacier Boys versus Lollies. Uh, this is the I second week really, in a row. I was really I, hoping to see Beast Zappers because that's like both my teams, and, they and now they both lost. suck. <laughs> well, you know, I, Quentin Flowers is back. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Terrible times. Terrible times indeed. Well, let's move on to the USFL. Just a quick review and preview coming up here. Didn't catch any of the action. Did you guys see any of these games? No. I did not, but I do know the Stallions are still undefeated. And Skip Holtz is the coach of that team, so I'm excited for them. Yep, Stallions are undefeated. <laughs> won 30-17 to 17 over the Stars. The Bandits won 27-20 to 20 over the Panthers. The Generals also won 27-17 to 17 over the Breakers. And the Maulers got their first one of the year, 21-20 to 20 over the Gamblers. I'm going to go through the games coming up this week. But I just got to say, like, there is a huge parity issue in the USFL. And I would say, at least for the Stallions, part of it has to do with the fact that they're the only ones drawing the crowd. Right. I mean, that I, I think it's getting undeniable that that is a factor right now. Dang, but also, the Panthers, Maulers, and Gamblers are really bad. Also true. <laughs> and we'll we'll see just how bad they are here uh, when we go through these previews. We got the three and two bandits going against the two and three stars at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday on NBC. And then the one and four Panthers taking on the undefeated Stallions Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, also airing on NBC. Uh, that game's going to be a bloodbath. So get up for it. <laughs> Well, I hope it is, at least. Right. Uh, and then we got the one and four Maulers going against the three and two Breakers at noon on Sunday on FS1. And then the one and four Gamblers going against the four and one Generals. This game will also be a bloodbath. 4 p.m. Eastern on Sunday on Fox. Be sure to check all those games real, out. Real big miss. No games on the cock this week. No games on the cock. Uh, I was looking forward a couple weeks. Not this week not next week but two weeks from now uh they are actually going to be playing games in legion field at the old iron lady looking forward to catching some of those so uh, i don't know how much longer that stadium is going to be up i know it's kind of in bad condition i've never really heard great things recently from people who have been that being said it's a historic stadium so it's going to be interesting at least in that regard Last but not least, we have more XFL news, and this time it's actually news. It's not speculation, kind of like what we were wandering into last week. Well, and earlier <laughs> this episode of Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah, very true. So, last time around, the XFL was on ABC, ESPN, 
had some games on Fox. And uh, just like the 2000s, just like the year 2000, and just like the last time on a, you know XFL 2.0, as people are calling it, uh, the XFL has once again signed a deal with Disney. We'll be having games on ABC and ESPN. And, of course, FX wants Fox, wants part of the action, so they're going to have games on FX as well. Another blast to the past for the XFL, Kerry Gordon has been named the XFL Executive Vice President of Player Health and Safety. Why is this significant? Back in 2000, for the LA Extreme, she was an interim athletic trainer. So it's really come full circle for her. Well, some of her credentials, she's got 21 years of experience as an athletic trainer. She spent 15 seasons consulting in the NFL, so I don't know how much hands-on she was doing as a trainer during that time. But she was with the Eagles, Chiefs, and Los Angeles Rams, so I can only assume she was only there when they were in L.A., as well as one season doing that, doing a similar, similar role in the NBA for the Clippers. And then this was the most interesting to me, 11 years full-time for Cirque du Soleil. I'm really surprised that she never consulted. Granted, the Raiders just got there, but even still. I mean, she was in the same like town. She was in LA more than. Yeah, I mean, you're not Las wrong. Vegas. So, Let's see. We'll see. Rams or Chargers are back, though. Come on. Where you at? <laughs> so that's all I got for this. I think we got we to gotta get to our tier list now, right? Absolutely. So, what we're going to be doing with this is uh, going through every team's offseason. We're going to be – I mean, it's a tier list. I'm sure you guys have seen tier lists at this point. It's not that that weird of a concept. Uh, But we have our tier maker pulled up here. You can zoom in a little bit for you. Uh, We have all of the AFC teams. (laughs) We'll have all the NFC teams. And we will be going through – Basically, every move the team has made. So, I want to start us off here. These are sorted by division and then alphabetically because why not make it fun? So, the north, the east, the south, and then maybe the best for last. We have the AFC West uh, up last. Um, we're starting the off with the Baltimore Ravens. And the way I kind of wanted to do this was let's start off with whoever is highest on them. And then whoever is lowest on them has to go second. And then, you know, somebody brings us towards the middle. And we then we kind of discuss where to actually place them. Right? That sounds fair. That sounds reasonable. Works for me. So we're starting off with the Baltimore Ravens. And I think I am the highest on the Ravens offseason so far. Um, they had a great draft for me. <laughs> I love everything about it. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum, David Ajabo, Travis Jones, Daniel Flele, uh, Jalen Armour Davis, Charlie Kohler, Jordan Stout, Isaiah Likely. I like all of those picks. Even Tyler Beatty. I like him a lot. Uh, Demarion Williams, up and down on him, but also he's a bottom of the fourth round pick. Like, who cares? So it's totally fine. Uh, he did trade Hollywood Brown. I know a lot of people are going to get hung up on that. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are sleeping on my man Rashad Bateman. And J.K. Dobbins is coming back. This offense is going to be even scarier than it was last year with all those injuries. They have special teams sorted now, getting a punter, probably the best punter in the draft in Jordan Stout. And I don't think they really lost anything too crazy in free agency. 
Sammy Watkins really going to keep you up at night, losing him? No. I'm going to give him a B here. I think there were some additions they could have had to that offensive line, which would have helped a lot. And, you know, kind of a – it was a fine move, bringing Mike McDonald as your defensive coordinator. I don't hate it. But I think there were some better options there, too. I'll give him a B to start us off here. So, I, I, I'm going in second here with the lowest of us. I, I, I'm at the C level. And the thing is, you're right, man. They get J.K. Dobbins back. They get Gus Edwards back. They have a running back room again. That's, that's amazing. I love it. Um, but they didn't address what I saw even, even before they traded Hollywood Brown. They didn't, to me, address some of their biggest needs on offense throughout the offseason. And that's a concern for me. Their biggest needs being wide receiver and offensive line. I love the Tyrell Linderbaum pick. You guys know that. I don't think I have to say that. Um, I just, there, there's something here that that left me with more to desire. So I'm going to give them that C. I think they were an average offseason, but there were a couple things that they could have done a little bit better. So I'm going to go with the C on this. See, you were making fun of me for getting a C plus or, you know, putting pluses and minuses because, oh, it's a tier list. But see, now I'm the one in the middle, right? And uh, you are for most of them because you put pluses and minuses. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, for the sake of the tier list, though, I'm going to bring them down to the C because I can't read. And I thought they re-signed Sammy Watkins and lost Marquise Brown. And. I know this isn't specifically focused on the draft. Like you mentioned, David Ojabo, Ojabo and Mike McDan- Jesus, Mike McDonald, uh, coming to the Ravens together from Michigan is, I think it's an A-plus move, but I don't think it outweighs some of the losses. And I get it, Hollywood Brown and Sammy Watkins, like they're not as big of losses as you might think, and people are definitely blown out of proportion. However, when you combine that with the fact they haven't added any wide receivers, they didn't draft any in a very deep wide receiver class, that hole gets a lot bigger. I like a lot of the other moves they made, and their running back room is definitely going to be better. Hopefully, John Harbaugh is saying, hey, we don't need to run 100 times with our star running back in preseason and blow everybody's knees out. Yeah, that'd be cool. So. You know, there, there's a lot of unknowns about what they're going to be doing in camp to try and prevent those injuries. We're not really talking about that. Specifically on the offseason, though, I've got to I've got to go bring it down from what I wrote here and give them a C. Sounds like we're settling in on a C for the Ravens then. That's all right. I understand it. Y'all are hating. They're going to win the division anyway, so it's all good. Um, uh. You know, when I was looking <laughs> through here, I was honestly looking. I was like, I don't know who's going to win this division. I think I know who won't. Well, we'll that's about it. (laughs) Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals are up next. Um, And I'm not the highest on them. So who do we got? I am the highest. I'll give them an A here. So my big thing is obviously losing Uzama. uh, That hurts. He was kind of a, a secret weapon for him. And Hayden Hurst isn't a direct comparison, but Uzama was pretty much an average player and just happened to go off every now and again. The only real only real bad move I think they made was re-signing Eli Apple, but at least you got somebody you know, somebody maybe you can work with, show them film, understands how y'all review, review film, and uh, can maybe teach your second-round pick 
how to not play quarterback in the NFL and how to review film the way the team reviews film. They made some moves to get uh, offensive line between free agency and the draft. I know fourth round offensive tackle, not what we wanted to see, right? We would rather see them go offensive line in the first round. I get it. Cordell Volson is pretty good though. I know. I think they got great value there. That's neither here nor there. Point is, overall, they improved the secondary, which proved to be killer for them in the Super Bowl and at times throughout the season, definitely at times throughout the season, and, of course, the additions to the offensive line. But they did everything that I think they needed to do to improve, maintain, whatever you want to look at it. Doug, I think you and I kind of say the same things here, and ironically, we're also at, the same grade here. Do you want to go second or you want me to take second? I think, ironically, we have the same grade, but I'm a little bit higher on them than you are, so go ahead. So I, I'm high on what they do. I really like a lot of their acquisitions. I'm focusing my analysis of their offseason on their offensive line because, for me, that was their biggest need. I love the, that they went out and got Leal Collins. I love that they went out and got uh, guard Alex Kappa. Two fantastic signings. You're protecting your investment. I love everything about that. My issue is they had solid free agency, made the best with the six picks they had, including getting that fantastic value value with Cordell Volson uh, in the fourth round. My issue sits with Ted Karras. He is okay at best at center. Maybe he's better than what I've witnessed him play with good guys around him. That's a very real possibility. It happens a lot on the line, but that's my question mark. If if I was confident in Ted Karras, I'd give him an A, uh, but I'm not. So I'm going to bring him down to the B level. Yeah, I was close to an A because they really did address their two biggest needs in offensive line and secondary. They just didn't do them in any way that's really that special. You know, their their additions are fine. They're fine players. I mean, Loyal Collins, when he's healthy, is pretty solid. Uh, Alex Kappa, when he's healthy, is really pretty solid. Um, I think that combination, like you were saying with Ted Karras, on a good offensive line can be pretty good. Okay, well, are you really comfortable with being pretty good in this AFC? We're looking at some really dominant teams, at least on paper, in the Chiefs, in the Bills. The Browns have a scary roster in your own division. The Ravens have a scary roster in your own division. I mean, we're looking at the Patriots still on the rise. The Chargers are up and coming. I mean, the Raiders look like a solid roster. Are you okay with just being decent at pretty much every position? I know you won some games in January, but how much of that is just it's a it's a single elimination tournament. Some things happen. I don't know that I really trust this Bengals team even with this offseason. It's not necessarily because they did anything wrong. It's just that it feels like there was something. It it doesn't have the pop that they really needed to get over the hump, for sure. I would put them in a B as well. I said it's 2-1. to Unless you have a really strong argument, Buck, I'm going to put them in a B. I had them at a B, I thought. No, you put them at an A. Well, yeah, go put them in a beat. <laughs> All right, then. All right, then. I was well, already scrolled down. And hop on the Cleveland Browns. 
I think Bug, you're first again. Yeah, I know I'm the highest on this one. And I, I think a lot of the reason I'm the highest here is that y'all are under the assumption that there's zero chance Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson plays a snap for him this year. And I don't want to put words in your mouth just the way it's worded. It seems like you guys are both taking a very pessimistic look at this. Now, don't get me wrong. I think they they did exactly what the Houston Texans wanted them to do and paid exactly what they wanted to get Deshaun Watson, which still blows my mind. And I'll talk about that when we get to Houston later. I'm thinking one of them's going to play. And whoever it is, the Browns are going to be just fine on offense with them under center. But the issue is, if neither of them do, you have Jacoby Brissett, who is going to be fine for a couple weeks, but you better fucking figure out if Watson's going to be available at some point or give Baker Mayfield a massive bonus. Because if you do it that way, it doesn't count against the cap, and you know, you'll make him happy and he'll play for you. I'll also throw in here that re-signing Denzel Ward, re-signing David Njoku, if Jacoby Brissett has to play, you're putting him in a good position on offense. He's got a good safety valve there in in Njoku, and the defensive side of the ball, the secondary, is still going to maintain what they are. They added some pieces in the draft. The defense isn't going to hurt you, which is tough when you have a bad quarterback. Where it really starts to hurt them, is you lost Austin Hooper, so you don't have two safety valves. You just have one, and Njoku has injury problems. Then you lose Higgins and Jarvis Landry, and you replace them with Jakeem Grant, right? Not great. Draft, whatever. It's it's a decent draft, but not getting your first pick until the third round, that makes things tough to judge, tough to grade. I'm going with a C overall, and that's I feel like that's definitely generous, and I think you guys agree with that. I agree that it's generous. Uh, yeah. Here's my thing. The reason I am so low on them is because of, not because I don't think either Baker or Deshaun Watson is going to play a snap for them. I think one of the two will. I think that's why they haven't traded Baker Mayfield yet. My issue is how do you prepare your offense for various different schemes for two different quarterbacks? We've seen it time and again. If you have two starting quarterbacks, you have no starting quarterbacks. It, it doesn't work, and this offseason workout is going to be – this entire offseason is going to be so important, but you don't know what's happening with, with Deshaun Watson. You don't know if he's going to be available to play. And now you have an upset quarterback who is realistically your number two. And God forbid he gets to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, man, he used to be okay, but it seems like teams have figured him out. I don't know. I just – they gave up too much to go after Deshaun Watson to not know that he's going to play this year. I would have liked this trade a lot more if their future picks, even their future first rounders, were conditional on if he was suspended, it reverts to this. That would have made a lot more sense to me for the Browns. I understand the Texans didn't want to do that, and both teams could say yes or no. Understand. It's just I, I, I don't see how they can prep for the upcoming season through training camp with all these questions looming about their offense. My My grade is not based on – off-season acquisitions at all because I think they did fine with that. They had a fine off-season. It would have been a C or a B coming into this, but with the questions looming at quarterback, I don't know which way they're going. I don't know how they can prepare. I'm going to give them a D. I have a lot of the same reasoning for also giving them a D here. I will say 
one of my biggest considerations is the fully guaranteed contract for Deshaun Watson. It is a legitimate possibility he never plays another snap of NFL football. I don't know how likely that is. It's probably not very likely that that's the ultimate outcome of this. It is a possibility, and you just leveraged at least four years of your team's future in both combination of draft picks and salary cap space, whether or not you believe in that sort of thing, uh, on a guy who may legitimately never play for you. Fully guaranteed money. That is irresponsible, and that alone drops them a whole letter grade for me when already I didn't like a lot of their moves. So Denzel Ward, great. Great signing. Love the guy. Great fit for the team. He plays the exact kind of defense that they like to run. It's perfect. Uh, Flip Troy Hill for a future pick and draft his replacement immediately in the third round. That's cool. I can appreciate that. I really like their first five picks of the draft, even though they did start in the third round. I think all five of them will be really solid players for you. But you have to consider you're essentially replacing Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Rashard Higgins with Amari Cooper, Jakeem Grant, and David Bell. I hate that. That is a downgrade across the board. That's not good. (laughs) And not only did you piss off Baker Mayfield and tie up guaranteed money in a quarterback who may not play for you, you also got rid of Case Keenum in favor of Jacoby Brissett, who's a more expensive option with starting experience, who you're paying legitimate backup money to be your third-string quarterback that you hope never sees the field. That is really really irresponsible. Here's here's the problem. They're at the point where they just need to trade Baker Mayfield. And there's a whole conversation to be had about how the NFL levies discipline. That's not what we're going to talk about here. There's, I don't see Baker Mayfield wanting to step on the field for him to begin with. Right. So you're you're legitimately looking at it's going to be Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett in your quarterback room this year. And I don't blame Baker Mayfield for it either, for the record. I don't either, but I just no, think they, they the lied to they his face. Up is, it's worthy of putting them in a D. <laughs> yeah. So. Concur. <clears throat> Their draft saves this from being an F for me, honestly. <laughs> um, that was what a weird offseason for the Browns. <laughs> now we have the Steelers. Uh, and I think actually now we get to start with Tug for the first time. Holy! I'm the highest. And I'm apparently I'm Santa Claus on this one looking at y'all's grades. Um, I'm at a C. This is very clearly a rebuild season for them. And they definitely took a lot of steps showing that. They filled some of their needs, but they had too many. They can't fill them all this offseason. But the main concern for me is their line is still trash. It's as trash as it was last year. Uh, it underperformed, and it did not get any better this offseason. That's that's concerning for me. Uh, but, hey, look, they have a shiny new QB that they overdrafted uh, who's just moving over one locker room from uh, from his college locker. Uh, you know, it was okay. Not flashy. They filled some needs, but they they didn't do enough to make it flashy for me. I'm I'm gonna go with a C. I'll start by saying R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins. Uh, the fact that he's listed as retired feels uh, dirty. Weird. Frankly, yeah. I don't I don't, I don't like it. 
another way to classify that, though. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I don't. He's either. listed as retired deceased, which yeah. is a terrible way to word that. I agree. I, I don't. I don't like it. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna give him an F because there are a lot of issues uh, when I look at their additions, their draft, and then just the overall state of the team. Right? They have four quarterbacks right now. They have Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, guy that got his head smashed in. Always ever going to be remembered for. Mason Rudolph. There you go. Kenny Pickett and Chris Olatakun. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Did Todd remember a name that you forgot, Bug? Is that yeah, a podcast first? It's only because podcast first. <laughs> it's only because that might be one of my favorite NFL moments that I have witnessed. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and we talked about how this offensive line was not good. It did not get better by adding James Daniels. I can tell you that right now. I can't say much about my uh, Mason Cole, Miles Jack, whatever, Levi Wallace, whatever. And you look at their draft. George Pickens is a great pickup, great signing for him. I, of course, like the Calvin Austin signing. The Marvin Leal, cool. But, man, there's just no rhyme or reason to some of these picks. Then you draft a fullback when you already have a very One good fullback. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing about this offseason makes sense for them, but I expect them to be competing for the wild card because Mike Tomlin. I, yeah, and honestly, that's one of the big reasons that I don't have them as low as you is they were able to retain Mike Tomlin, even though Big Ben retired. And yeah. that was a lot of speculation. That's fair. And so having Mike Tomlin and having that stability, I mean, even their defensive coordinator retired. They promoted from within. That's what the Steelers do, and that's great to me. And so it makes me have a little bit of faith in this draft, even though on the outside looking in, this looks really pretty bad outside of the top three picks. Um, I mean, I love Calvin Austin as a player, but how does he fit the Steelers at all? With any he doesn't. He doesn't, and especially when you look at, first of all, with all the quarterbacks, but second of all, look at all the guys right. that just dropped. Juice Smith-Schuster's a small wide receiver, and Calvin Austin's smaller than him. Right, right. I just, I, right. I don't know. Right, you lost three receivers and replaced them with two drafted guys, who neither of them exactly fit the room <laughs> they're walking into. Uh, I know you have some hatred in your heart for James Daniels, but he is a young offensive lineman, and as we have discussed on this show, even just a couple of teams ago, you put him in the right situation. Put him around other guys. That's one of the positions that can really be improved a lot by being surrounded by other talent. And so I don't know that I trust the Steelers line to be that surrounding force. Put him in the right scheme, though. Guys can really shine. I think there's potential there. He is still 24 years old. So I understand the move. And then Miles Jack is an improvement over Joe Schobert. Uh, or not, not, he didn't even have Joe Schobert, did they? Uh, who did they have at middle linebacker at this point? Devin Bush. I mean, Miles Jackson improvement. So <laughs> I think he's okay legitimately the best. Moves. I think he's the best move of the offseason for him. Frankly, probably. I'm surprised the Jaguars cut him. Put it that way. Uh, that's they, and that's what kind of gives me pause about it too. They had to cut him for a reason, right? You'd think, but also he was making 10 mil and probably didn't like to be on the Jaguars anymore. And they're a complete rebuild mode, so. 26, 27-year-old linebacker that's starting to get the age of, do we really want to sign you to another extension? Maybe not. Let's go ahead and get rid of you. It can make sense. I didn't like the move for the Jaguars. But anyway, the Steelers, I think we're going to put them at a D. 
uh, average out all of our grades here. Yeah. What a what an off season. <laughs> I don't have the Steelers peg to win the division. Put it that way. So that does take us to the AFC East, and we'll be going in alphabetical order once again. So start us off with Buffalo Bills. I think, Bug, you're probably the highest of any of us on this. Yeah, I guess I got to slide them into that uh, that S tier. They're they're definitely flirting the line between A and S, in my opinion. Obviously, promoting from within an offensive coordinator. We just you just praise the Steelers for it. You got to show the same love for the Bills here, right? I think getting O.J. Howard is a move that's going to be slept on by some people. But when I watch the Bills, that's one position that really stands out to me is maybe they don't have it there, and that would help them immensely. also like drafting James Cook out of Georgia at running back. They just haven't really had anything inspiring in running back. Everybody wants Zach Moss to be good. Everybody wants Devin Singletary to be good. And they're just okay. Overall, they made a lot of good moves. Obviously, adding Shaq Lawson and Vaughn Miller <laughs> are fantastic moves on the defensive side of the ball. And, of course, getting K.R. Elam, cornerback from Florida in the first round of the draft. They made a lot of great moves and got to show some love for Matarazia. Man, I, I love everything that they've done in this offseason. And, oh, yeah, getting Case Keenum to be your backup quarterback over Mitch Trubisky, that is a massive upgrade as well. So I'm looking at this, and I, I'm rethinking what I wrote probably about two weeks ago. Um, I really do like this offseason. I have them at a B. I'm going to stick to it because it's what I have in my notes. I can justify it because a lot of their signings, while great, I still think they overpaid Von Miller. Uh, it's a fantastic fit for him. It was definitely a need. I love it. I just wished it wasn't as much money as it as it was. Uh, and I do, I do love the James Cook pick. And I love the James Cook pick not because – James Cook is going to be a younger Dalvin. He's not. He's not the same talent level. But I love him because he brings hope that really in in flash to that running back room they haven't had. Right? So that's literally the only reason I love it is because it gives them some some kind of something to work with up there in Buffalo in the running back room uh, that I really don't think they've had. Uh, I'm going to stick with my B, but I'm, I'm also partially regretting my decision here. So, I don't understand why everybody's so high on James Cook. I think he's one of the most overrated running backs in this draft. <laughs> Which totally fits the Bills. <laughs> it fits the Bills. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> had, to, had to throw that softball up to him, huh? Yeah. I do love hiring, promoting Ken Dorsey to be your new offensive coordinator. Um, I love the additions. O.J. Howard. Roger Saffold, uh, Tim Settle, Shaq Lawson. That's not even mentioning Von Miller. I mean, that's that's an incredible haul of free agency. And now we're looking at the draft outside of James Cook. I like most of it. I really don't understand the love for James Cook here, guys. I, I seriously don't. I, don't I, I, I just like it because, you. again, I, he wasn't super flashy at, at Georgia. He's not going to be his brother. But he's got potential that I don't see in Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. And again, he brings he brings a star power because of his brother's name to that to that. Yeah, I would offense. have I would have rather seen him draft Isaiah Spiller. I mean, you're not later. wrong. But 
Something about Georgia running backs. Yeah. Okay. If you're drafting off a of school, you have no idea what you're talking about. So I think <laughs> I think I have him at an, at an A. It would be a high A if we did it that way, probably. One might say an A plus. No, we we don't say that around here. Those are those are foul foul words. Dirty mind here. <laughs> um I'm I'm okay sticking with an A. I don't really want to go higher than an A though. A cra- crazy frog, uh, you're right, but having Tyree Kill does make us a better team. That's debatable. We'll get to them in a second. Actually next. <laughs> but where are we where are we sticking the bills? You go you're all right with an I, A, everybody? I'm I'm good with the A. Okay. So Dolphins. Yes, Dolphins are next. Um, I'm actually the highest in the Dolphins out of anybody here for some reason. Wild to me. <laughs> yeah, wild to me. I, per- Yeah. So, first of all, signing Teddy Bridgewater is the greatest move the Dolphins could have possibly made. Competing for a starting job right away, going to knock two out, and Teddy Bridgewater is going to take you all to the promised land. Promise. I promise you, he'll take you to the promised land. Can, can, can we get to the real analysis now, please? <laughs> that may or may not have been real analysis. I refuse to elaborate. Uh, Teron Armstead, Kyler Williams, two phenomenal pickups. Helped the offensive line immediately. I know this is something that you had talked to me a lot about in the middle of the NFL season last year. It's not really going to help the Dolphins to draft a bunch of offensive linemen anymore. They need some veteran presence there. And they need some actual experience there to help the young guys along. They have the young guys in place. Let's get some people who know what they're doing in the building. Uh, so two fantastic signings. And then they rebuilt that running back room with two guys that I really like, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. That is a significant upgrade over what you had in the past. Sony Michelle is a number three in that room. I see you highlighting him in our notes here. He's a garbage pickup. I don't know why anybody ever would ever want him on their team. Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert are going to be your two guys. Um, <laughs> bringing back Mike Gesicki is great. Emmanuel Ogba, if he were taken in the first round of his draft, people would talk about him more. But because he was like a third-round pick, nobody knows his name. He produces just as much as Jadavian Clowney, if not more, every single year. And nobody thinks about him. He's a he's one of the most underrated defensive ends in the NFL. I love Emmanuel Ogba. Great re-sign for the Dolphins. And Xavier Howard coming back and happy now, supposedly, maybe. We'll see how long <laughs> that lasts. I don't mind getting rid of Devontae Parker. He's getting old for you guys. He doesn't fit what you do anymore. Now you're a speed dean on the outside. That's crazy. And so you replace him with Tyreek Hill, the <laughs> fastest guy in the league. That's amazing. That's just that's beautiful. And Channing Tindall in the third round, your first pick of the entire draft. What a move. I mean, that's going to be a rotational linebacker right away. Cameron Good even might be a rotational linebacker right away on this team. Skylar Thompson's going to beat out Tua, take you to the promised land. I God damn him. it. <laughs> this is the best possible scenario for the Dolphins. And that's before even getting to their new head coach, which I, I like Mike McDaniel quite a bit. And I know I haven't really let on when we've talked about him in the past. I think this is a fantastic hire. He makes complete sense for the Miami Dolphins. And this is the signal. You are all in 
on making sure Tua has everything he can have to possibly succeed. If you don't make the playoffs this season, I promise you it will be the worst decision in franchise history to not draft a quarterback next year if you don't make the playoffs. Right? This is a team set up to win some games right now. And that takes some real dedication from the front office and the coaching staff and even the ownership. I know you hate the guy, but Stephen Ross had to front some money for this. So seeing this kind of an offseason really impressed me a lot. I'm giving him an S. I, uh, yeah, actually, I am second. So I'm the lowest on them because I did try to keep some bias out of it. So I came in at a lowly A. Um, that being said, my analysis is spot on with yours. I mean, Doug, you and I ran the Dolphins offseason separately a couple times, and this is legitimately the best we could have coming out of it. Like, I, I'm i at a loss, man. I never expected Tyreek Hill to be available. I, at least the news came out that he was seeking a trade, and then the news came out like two hours later that he was in Miami. Like, right. I, that all happened while I was at work. I am shocked. Um <laughs> And, and it's weird to say that Miami is in a win-now window. Like, that is – it feels weird that we are all in on this year as much as the Rams were all in on last year, but that's that's the roster they put together. And you guys are entirely right because, Ben, there are instances of this in your analysis as well. Of If Tua can't do it, that's fine. We go out and we get one of the top quarterbacks next year because, again – Somehow in that Tyreek trade, it only cost one first-round pick. And we kept our two or three that we have in next year's first round. That is an absolutely stellar trade to get the weapons you need to succeed. And, man, there are no more excuses for Tua. So, you guys made fun of me for putting pluses and minuses, but this is exactly why I did it. Um, That being said, I love the Teddy Bridgewater – let me let me backtrack a little bit. I love all the running backs they picked up because they did not have a good running back room. And now they've got a very competent running back room. One that's gonna be the only the only knock you can really have against is they all have run with the same style. So if you don't have your line figured out and fixed, maybe it's not gonna be as effective as they want it to be. Looking at Teddy Bridgewater though, obviously we've talked about Tyreek Hill and the wide receiver editions. No need to keep going over that. Tua has a tendency to get hurt, and in the NFL so far, he has not gotten hurt to the point where he's missed a significant amount of time. You need, If you need somebody to get in there for one, two, maybe three weeks out of the year, and you want them to play a similar style to Tua Tagovailoa, you want Teddy Bridgewater, and he will be able to be a good bridge guy, pun intended, for two to three weeks. That being said, everything that they did this offseason was awesome. I wish other teams worked this way. They had a vision, but I got to say, if they're trying to lose games again this year. <laughs> and and, all, and the, all the bad stuff about this offseason happened so far off the field. doesn't even feel real yeah. to some extent. Brian Flores drama, the Stephen Ross accusations. All the Xavier was... Howard drama? I mean, I mean that doesn't that. even count as offseason. It, it counts as like the last three years combined. So... Well, I mean, how how happy is his contract keeping him now with Jair Alexander and Denzel Ward signing their deals, right? He's going to be pissed that he's not making $300 million a day here shortly, so. I put up more (laughs) interceptions than all of them combined. Okay, well, interceptions aren't the only good measure of a corner, so. 
How about you step up and play the contract? I really just want to. We've talked the Dolphins up too much to not bring Tug back down to earth real quick. So. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Leave, leave, me, leave me up here <laughs> on cloud nine. Um, where do we put them for real, though? Uh, it sounds like we're right on the line. So, I mean, I'll say yes. If you if you need somebody else to push you to S, I'll say yes. You knew that was coming. Just put him in S. All right, fine. Dolphins going S tier. That's the first time that's ever happened in your life. That, so that's what I'm saying. Thank you. Well, about uh, week seven, <laughs> we need to come back and look at this. And be like, oh, off season moves don't mean shit. Steelers are going to be undefeated. The Browns are only going to have one loss to the Steelers. The massacre, mayhem. <laughs> Off-season moves are more fake than the salary cap. <laughs> so now we're on to the New England Patriots. Um, and I think we're starting with Tug. Yeah, so I honestly do have him at an eight. Um, three offensive guards, granted. Definitely a little bit of a reach. I can't wait to see what Cole Strange does, see if he was worth that first round, see if Bill's got an eye for talent with that. None of us have. But overall, their, their signings, you can't replace J.C. Jackson, um, but they did it the best they could with, uh, with Terrence Hill. They brought in Jabril Peppers, brought back Malcolm Butler, the most overrated cornerback I've ever seen uh, because his entire career has been paid off of one play. But their draft overall, I think, was really good. Again, the question is Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. I don't know how I feel about that in the first round. But everything else coming on down, solid wide receiver. They pick up Devontae Parker as well. Uh, Pierre Strong, Jr. out of South Dakota State, is a solid pick in the fourth round. I really like that pick. And then, Doug, your guy out of Western Kentucky here, you've talked to us about him a few times in Bailey Zappi. Another solid pick. So, Overall, I really do like the Patriots offseason. I've got them at an A, but I'll let you guys take it from here. Yeah, I like a lot of their draft as individual players. I can't stand the fit for this team. I don't understand what they were doing. Kind of what you were saying, Bug, with the Steelers. It feels like they went into this draft with no real game plan, or at least it's a game plan so different from what they've done in the past that it's just so it's out of left field. I mean, Cole Strange in the first round, I don't care. Do what you want with that pick. If that's your guy, go get him. I understand that. If he's going to be your starter for the next 12 years, feel free. Take that guy in the first round. That's all good. What the hell are you doing taking Tyquan Thornton in the second round? Dude can't run a route to save his life. Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, your defensive backs, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Those guys could have been in undrafted free agency. Both of them. Pierre Strong, I love the player. How in the world does he fit what the Patriots do at running back ever? They look you're, for they, you're they not, look for your James Cooks, and they didn't draft James Cook. They drafted Pierre Strong, who doesn't fit what they do at all. Yeah, but but they, hear me out. Hear me out. Pierre Strong is a small little white boy from a random small school. That so he's is transition a slot receiver for him. Yes. That's that's so stupid. He's like five foot nine. And then Bailey Zappi runs an air raid system. That that sounds like the Patriots for sure. Love that move. Genius. Oh, Dante yeah, Parker let's... is mid. So 
trading for him is unreal. They traded Shaq Mason for a fifth round pick and then drafted Cole Strange. I'm, I'm giving him a C because I think Bill Belichick's earned the right to bump two letter grades. This feels like a one of the dumbest off seasons of all time. I I fully agree, and if we weren't looking at the rest of their off season, I'd 100% be at a C already. Uh, yeah, everything you said. Oh, by the way, you have Mac Jones. Why are you re-signing Brian Hoyer and then and drafting Bailey Zappi? Yeah, it just. Why okay. is Brian Hoyer still in the league? Because he's going to beat out to a talk about Loa for the starting job here. <laughs> and take me to the promised land. I understand. Uh, I do legitimately love the Jabril Peppers and Terrence Mitchell moves, even if Peppers is a little bit on the older side. And then, uh, again, same thing with Malcolm Butler. He's a little bit older. I love the move, though. I think he's still got one, maybe two years left in him. Those and, are like two uh, different definitions of older. Let's be real. Jabril Peppers is like 27. True. Malcolm Butler is like 34. I yes. still maintain Malcolm Butler has made one good play in his entire NFL career. I don't disagree. I don't either, but he's turned it into a fucking career. Right. Uh, I'm going to go with a B. I think their moves outside of the draft are good enough to elevate them a little bit. So, I don't know. I think I wouldn't mind if this ended up as a C either. Like you said, Bill Belichick obviously knows more than we do. So you got to give him credit and not give him an F for this, which is kind of where I was uh, initially thinking when I just looked over this. And I was like, wait a minute. Who's the guy that decided all of this? Like, come on now. So right. I, I will say he's Bill's getting older. It might be time to split his roles. Uh, but hey, he's he's but, made hey. it work so far. So I'm definitely not going to be swayed to move him above a B. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to try to. Uh, oh, no. I think, well, Tug had him at an A originally, so I think a C is fine. I, I can come down to a C. Okay. That's how bad this was. I mean, again, I love the moves individually. Like, on a player basis, those draft picks make a lot of sense. At least some of them. Uh, but <laughs> how do they fit the Patriots at all? I just, I'm weird, just... Weird, weird. I'm... I'm just going to laugh when Pierre Strong lines up at slot receiver like one time for no reason. And then makes a Hall of Fame career out of it? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> but Tyquan Porton has the Zoomies. We need him. Okay. <laughs> New York football Jets time. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Look, I think we're starting off a bug, yeah. Yeah, I, I gave him an A. I love this draft. I honestly love a lot of the offseason, you know, free agency moves they made. Unfortunate Frank Gore is not going to play with Frank Gore Jr. on the same roster, or at least, you know, training camp preseason. Uh, but he is boxing now, and he's undefeated in his professional undefeated boxing Undefeated professional boxer, very true. Uh, you know, we already talked about CJ Uzamo. Again, he's – Okay, he goes off at times. That's going to be a good safety valve for Zach Wilson. Lakin Tomlinson is going to provide him some extra protection that he didn't have last year. When you look at all this, you look at what they were able to do in the draft. The only thing I would have liked to see was them uh, get an offensive tackle or center outside of the fourth round. You know, they only had picks in the first four rounds. 
Um, so why they wait until the fourth round to get a tackle, I'm not sure. But the rest of their draft, like I said, it's an amazing draft. This is the draft class everybody's been talking about ad nauseum even. Uh, it seems like it always happens with the Jets. So I, I'm going to give them an A, but I have the inverse hesitation of ranking them that high uh, that I did for the wanting to rank the Patriots lower. Uh, it's God, the goddamn Jets, man. I really want to jump in and talk about Max Mitchell, but I'll wait till my turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have them to see. I think I'm going to bring that up to a B because I am re-looking over this draft class again, and it is fantastic. Uh, they had three first-round picks, and, man, they lit they lit it on fire with those first three picks in the in day one. That outstanding. But, again, they filled holes, but they didn't use any kind of flashiness to fill those holes in the free agency and I have I have questions about a lot of their guys they're all good but can they take the Jets to the next level and I I don't know about that so I will come up to a B right now yeah so this draft is an S and the rest of the offseason like a C (laughs) for me Uh, they got the number one corner the number one receiver the number one running back, the number two tight end, uh, my number three or four tackle, and Jermaine Johnson is probably the number four or so defensive end, but you also have defensive ends going number one and number two overall. So to get him at 26, amazing. Um, I love Max Mitchell. I think he's a legitimate contender to be your day one starter at right tackle, and I'm not kidding. Max Mitchell is great, and watching him play, I love that pick. A lot. Um, I I could talk about this draft all day. Here's the problem with the Jets. They have a tendency to get some pretty good picks early on and then never develop them because their coaching staffs are awful all the time. Uh, if that's the case again here, that would be really sad because I love these picks. Also, their free agent signings are kind of mediocre. Honestly, Lake and Tomlinson makes some sense. C.J. Uzama makes some sense. Um, I mean, Jordan Whitehead, I understand, I guess. Uh, Losing Morgan Moses, though, feels like addition by subtraction. I'll say that. Losing Shaq Lawson hurts. So there's a mixed bag here in free agency. And then you have Frank Gore and Bilal Powell both retiring. The running back room gets a lot thinner, even if those guys were aging out. I think this averages out to be like a B. But that draft is great. I, you know, I gotta, I gotta say this real quick too. You had Tyler Conklin on here as a tackle, and when I was looking back through it, I was like, that doesn't make sense. He is a tight end, so now you have a good tight end on both sides of the offensive line. If you want to go on that double tight set, or you got two guys that are very capable going out, running around, catching the ball, and getting some yards downfield for you. I, I, I got, I don't know if that changes your opinion of their of their free agency piece here uh but for me that definitely it's not going to elevate it to an s but i i am firm that i'm giving them an a this all season yeah you know what it was tyler conklin played offensive tackle in college and also his brother <laughs> plays tackle in the nfl so I was, that's why i didn't catch it at first either but i was like yep. tyler conklin i was like i don't think yep. he's a tackle uh but that doesn't change anything i would have rather than picked up a tackle than another tight end so, yeah so for me this is probably a b and I think that's pretty fair. I think an A is 
too high just because of the history of the organization. Yeah, I, I agree. We bumped it up. <laughs> we gotta bump it down. So, throw them at a B. Interesting, interesting combination of how this tier list is shaping out. Uh, let's keep going here. We're jumping divisions once again. The AFC South. Uh, let's start with the Houston Texans. <laughs> what a weird you tell, You're telling me. You're telling me you promote your defensive coordinator. Forget forget what actually happened and why Lovey Smith is a head coach. I don't care. We're not talking about that. But you take him from defensive coordinator to head coach, and then your first pick is Derek Stingley, and you're telling me that Derek Stingley Jr. is going to get to be a cornerback in Lovey Smith's defense. That's an S. I don't care what the fuck else they did. That's an S. <laughs> Legit- legitimately, though. Legitimately, though. Uh, they made a lot of great moves in the draft. They actually had a very good draft. I know a lot of people don't want to give them credit for it. And don't get me wrong, this team is not going to be good this year. All right, let me say that again. They're not going to be good this year. Throw in here, they got what they wanted for Deshaun Watson. Uh, look, they made some other moves that are going to help improve. They're still very much rebuilding, but they have a very clear direction of what they're doing, not just in the draft, but in their all season. I... I'm firm here that this is an S, and this is like 5% Lovey Smith bias. When you look through everything, they built up the line. They started working on the secondary. They got Marlon Mack, who's going to be a good guy to kind of bridge, you know, hand the ball off to him, take a little bit of pressure off of Davis Mills. They built up on the offensive line with A.J. Can, Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, and Austin Ducellis out of LSU. He'll probably find a way to rotate in a little bit. And I forgot, Cedric, fuck that. I'm not pronouncing that. Then, Davis Mills, you gave him a target. John Mitchell the third out of Alabama. Honestly, they, they did a lot of things. Resigning Chris Conley. Resigning Braden Cooks. They did a lot of things that show they have a clear vision of where they're going. I love this offseason for them. Who's Braden Cooks? I know who Brandon Cooks is. Good job. Congrats. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum, Ben. Um, I got the Medicine, so I say the other end. I'm, I'm in the dead middle with them. Uh, and, and the reason is... I don't, I don't see it the same way you do. I don't see that they're making the necessary strides to get to the place where they they need to be even for next year. They Now, don't get me wrong. They're at at least a C for me, at a minimum of a C, because they got rid of Deshaun Watson. They got what they, want, what they wanted. So that is legitimately addition by subtraction with more addition on top. Um, but I don't, I don't see it. They have a running back who's coming off an Achilles injury, which I have serious concerns about. I have voiced that on on this pod plenty of times that Achilles injuries are damn near career killers for running backs. Um, eh, cool. You got Andy Janovich. You got a fullback to run up the middle, but I also don't know how Lovey's defense that Tampa two defense fits in the modern NFL right now. I can send three guys deep and I'm splitting your, I'm splitting your safeties at that point. I don't know that Derek Stingley fits in a, a cover two scheme defense. I, he's a man-to-man corner. At least that's what I was seeing out of him. 
uh, Doug, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I have no doubts about that, but that's that's what I see. I I like the talent they brought in, but again, it's kind of the same way why, where Doug was with the Patriots of does it make sense for the team? And and for me, a lot of it, it seems like they're grabbing just a little bit of everything and seeing what sticks. They're throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing you know what holds up. I will say, unfortunately, to understand the extent of Derek Singley Jr.'s game, you really had to go back to 2019. Yes. And watch it from back then. Um, so, recently, maybe maybe he doesn't make total sense. But if you see everything he's capable of, he absolutely makes sense. Uh, also, there's a reason I'm concerned about Derek Singley, and it's not because of his ability. It's because of his injury history and because of his effort on the field. Um, there's a real conversation of he was saving himself for the draft after his incredible breakout season as a true freshman in 2019. Um, and then he got hurt, and then last year he was not the best corner on his team. So there's some concerns there, and to take him at number three overall feels wild to me. Um, at the same time, yeah. Does he have the ability? Of course. Jalen Petrie makes a lot of sense for this defense, though. I will say that, too. Very fast safety. All those Baylor guys in this draft were speedy guys. They got the zoomies. I love the John Mechie move. I think that honestly fills a big hole that they've had for a long time. <laughs> At receiver, Brandon Cooks, and then John Mechie. Well, makes you say a long sense. time. You say a long time. I say since they traded DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they'd be in the same spot. I mean, I don't know if that was just me, but I totally lost audio there. So, I, yeah, I lost Ben there for a bit. That's cool. Love that. No more, no more bug on the show for a minute. That's cool. Uh, I will say one thing that really concerns me, again, going back to defensive backs, you lost Justin Reed, Terrence Mitchell, and Lonnie Johnson in the same offseason. Two to free agency and one via trade, which why are you for, trading a corner when you basically have nobody left? All you have in the corner now is Derek Stingley. So that's that's wild. And I the only great thing about this offseason to me is the trade with Sean Watson. Right? You really set yourself up for the future in a way that you needed to do for a while now. And it really does make a lot of sense for the Texans to have made this trade. That's that part's great. And I also do like the Lovey Smith move. We've talked about it before. We talked about it with the head coaching carousel conversation a few months ago. I did love the Lovey Smith hire. He I I think he's a great coach. Does that make up for losing your youth in the secondary, your good youth in the secondary, replacing it with some question marks? And then also re-signing all of your old guys on more one-year deals. That's not enough. That's not enough progress. I don't know how much progress I could have expected out of them. I think a B is probably the absolute maximum, the best they could have done this offseason. But I think it's also fair to go ahead and call it a B. Yeah, I, I think a B is kind of the right place where they should end up here. So I want to slot them in there. And we don't have bug to stop us right now so we're gonna no 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 we're gonna move on 
Um, oh, he's probably really mad. It is what it is. Moving on to Indianapolis Colts here. Uh, we actually all gave the Colts a B, so <laughs> who wants? I guess go ahead and start talking. What do you think? What do you think, Tug? They, I mean, I have a very simple sentence here, and I really don't have much more on it. They have made improvements, but nothing significant, nothing eye-popping, nothing nothing super flashy. Yeah, they traded for Matt Ryan. Cool. Maybe a new city helps him out. I, I don't know. Uh, it's not as, as eye-popping as it would have been in the past. So, for me, they're slightly above average because they did make the improvements, but I've got them at a B. Yeah, I think adding Matt Ryan makes this a B. I mean, outside of everything else that they did, it's a fine, it's fine enough offseason for them, but they did upgrade a quarterback. Yeah. That, that has to push you above a C. So, B has become our new, our new average, it feels like. That's fine. Good offseasons in general. I mean, when you look at the bell curve or our chart is making it's it's looking pretty good that is about where i would expect it to be in general in theory see what happens going forward no f tiers yet uh but let's go ahead and jump to the jacksonville jaguars and wow bug hopped in disappeared no i i hopped him in (laughs) uh we're heading to jacksonville jaguars a whole new coaching staff for them some wild free agent contracts and the number one overall pick in the draft. So, why don't you start us off again? <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of highlighted all the major issues I had with their offseason. <laughs> I've got them at a C because I love the coaching staff they put together. They have, um, they have a Super Bowl winning head coach in their front office now. It's amazing on the sidelines. They filled a lot of holes with a lot of free agency money, but I don't know if they threw them at the right players or paid the players what they actually deserved. I still don't think Christian Kirk is worth as much as they paid him, but here we are. So uh, you, you did what you need to do. You made yourself better, but dude, save some cash. It's okay. It's not just there to spend. So I've got the meta C. Yeah, I don't really like the Doug Peterson hire. I think that was the weakest possible move you could have made, which I kind of understand, right? You're moving from Urban Meyer. You want to add some actual you want stability to, and some common sense to the room. You want a neutral right. hire, and that's what that was. <laughs> right, but it also means you can't really get too good of a grade on that move, you know? That's fair. Uh, and I think, yeah, you highlighted they overpaid Christian Kirk. I'll also say they way overpaid Cam Robinson. When's the yep. last time he's actually worked the kind of money that he got? Uh, never. <laughs> I would say never. Uh, they also overpaid for Foye Olgun, who was a guy I actually wanted to highlight in our BDT Awards show because he got like 200 tackles for the Falcons last season. Okay, well, he was a 4-3 middle linebacker. Tell me you're a 4-3 middle linebacker without telling me you're a 4-3 middle linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you drop Miles Garrett and pick up Olakun, Olakun. I mean, how is that any kind of an upgrade? I feel like that's actually a... Miles Jack, not Miles Garrett. I definitely meant Miles Jack. You are correct. I- I'm here to back you up, brother. 
And then they overpaid for Brandon Scherf, who has underperformed for Washington for a couple of years now. And you can say that's due to injuries, but also when you're on the field, you need to step up and play as if you're worth the kind of money that they're giving you. They offloaded Andrew Norwell to make that move possible. Brandon Scherf's going to slide right in and start for you. How is that really an upgrade? I don't think it is. And then you look at the draft. I think they reached for almost everything. I think they reached for Trayvon Walker. I didn't like him as the one overall pick. I understand why they did it. As an organization, the way they do things, it makes sense to me. I don't like the way they do things. So, <laughs> I actually want to give the Jaguars a D here. Fair enough. Ben, are you back with us? Yeah, I think so. I don't know why it keeps doing this to me. Alright, we're on the Jaguars. We need a split. We're split. I've got them at a C. Doug's got them at a D. Where are you coming in, brother? I just gave a very impassioned speech putting them at a D, so. Ooh. Tell us what you got. <sighs> Trying to pull my nose back up. I had to restart everything. Fortunately, my computer doesn't take a year and a day to restart. That is good. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. This draft is fucking horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. God. Look, pun intended, they cut bait with DJ Shark, and uh, I think that was a great move. I don't know. I, I think we kind of addressed the Miles Jack move already. Yeah. I do think re-signing Laquan Treadwell, <laughs> getting Christian Kurt, I think those are positives uh, for them. Uh, they definitely cut the correct wide receiver, in my opinion. Man, their coaching staff, I think, has to keep them from getting anything higher than a C. I wish I had heard what you said about them to give them a D. Well, basically, what I said was, uh, you overpaid for Christian Kirk by a lot. You overpaid for Cam Robinson by a lot. When's the last time he was ever worth that money? Uh, probably never. You overpaid for Brandon Scherf, who has underperformed the past couple of seasons. And replace Andrew Norwell with Brandon Scherf. Right now, they're basically the same player, but you're paying more for Brandon Scherf. Uh, they replaced Miles Jack with Foye Olukun, who is not an upgrade. He had like 200 tackles last year. Is he a downgrade, though? I don't know if he's a downgrade or not, but why are you replacing a guy? Why are you getting a new guy into your system if he's not a definite upgrade? Why would you get a guy who doesn't know your your building, even? I mean, yeah, it's a new coaching staff, whatever. Playbook's going to be different. But, come on. Doug Peterson, I, are you? is that really the hire you're excited about? No, it's the no, hire not you do because you're ashamed of what you did last time. So why, why would we give them credit for it? I think this is a D, and it's the only reason it's not an F is because I do love Devin Lloyd. I love Chad Muma selection. Those are great linebackers. Those guys replacing Miles Jack make a lot more sense to me than Foyer Lucan replacing Miles Jack long term. Uh, Luke Fortner could potentially develop into a starting offensive lineman. Uh, it might take a few years. Other than those picks, I don't even like the Trayvon Walker selection. Like I don't, I don't think that was a good move at number one. I really don't. So this is this has a hard ceiling on it. And I don't see it being above a 
above above a C, no chance. I have it at a D. I mean, this is they overpaid for everything that he did. Even Evan Ingram. I mean, what is he really capable of? I think kind of what you mentioned about Brandon Sheriff versus Andrew Norwood Norwell. Uh, I think the potential uh, and the upside of Sheriff is much much higher than Norwell. It is a new system. Maybe this is something that Sheriff will be successful in. That I. I think they correctly assessed Norwell would not be successful in. But I think this draft, you know, you, you kind of say the free agency is worse. I say the draft's a little bit worse. I I think the draft should bring it down a little bit more than maybe I was pulling them down. I'm good with putting them on a D. I mean, I hit the jack, so I'm okay with it too. And you're highlighting the, the draft we got at Wichita Baptist. You just hate that school or something? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That is not how you spell Wichita. That is how it's pronounced, though. Gregory oh Jr., cornerback, Wichita Baptist in the sixth round. Yes, no, that's Aujita Baptist. Somebody needs to go play with a Ouija board. <laughs> I'm not going to comment anymore. I don't want to get canceled. so last team in AFC South we have the Tennessee Titans up next and Tug you're the highest on this offseason what do you got for us let's see I've got them at an A Uh, man I really like all their moves this offseason they kept their coaching staff intact uh, which is huge Uh, Austin Hooper is a solid I'm not going to say great he is a solid tight end Uh, Jamarco Jones out there to protect uh, their quarterback. Uh, You know, you keep making fun of Miami, you know, signing quarterbacks or drafting quarterbacks, but uh, Malik Willis might actually be coming after Tannehill's job this year. Uh, Here's the difference, though. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Uh, And here's the even better thing. That was an absolute steal in the third round. Malik Willis was talked about in being hyped up as potentially one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. I believe it, but I don't – I would have had him at an early second rounder, so to get him in the mid to late third round is absolutely fantastic. Um, a ton of good moves. They didn't really reach a ton. And I love their first-round trade where they traded away A.J. Brown to the Eagles to then draft his replacement, a very similar style, uh, Traylon Burks. That being said, uh, the reports out of camp have not been the greatest. He has needed to take a couple couple rest breaks, but that might be due to some underlying medical conditions that uh, were known about pre-draft uh, that he's been working through for pretty much his entire life. So overall, man, I, I love this offseason. I'm going to give the Titans an A. Yeah, um, I think Roger Saffold, that, that loss there hurts more than people are giving it credit for. I will say, though, getting some people back healthy is probably the best move that the Titans could have made in the offseason. Just needed that that, time. That did happen. So I'm giving them a B. I think it's it's close to a C, honestly. I don't think there's anything that's really amazing about this. Um, The one probably best move they pulled off was re-signing Harold Landry, in my opinion. That's a very solid move that needed to happen for sure. They got him on a reasonable contract, too. I like that deal for the team. So, makes sense to me. Also, 
like you're saying, they got some value with the quarterback selection there in Malik Willis. I would say maybe they're hoping for a little bit of a Jordan Love effect. Maybe light a fire under Tannehill's ass a little bit, get him moving. I could appreciate that too. But I, I think stick him with a B. I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, you're. <clears throat> I'm trying to pull up Petit Frere's size here. Uh, but you're talking about Saffold being a huge loss. <clears throat> Excuse me. Him and uh, him and Nicholas, him and Nicholas Petit Frere about the same size could potentially see Petit Frere move to guard to replace him. So maybe that doesn't hurt as bad. I don't know that he has the footwork or the agility to make that transition to guard. Uh, but as far as size, you know, he, he, he could potentially slide right in there. And I, I love, I agree with you hundred percent on Harold Landry and not to mention picking up Bobby trees on top of drafting Traylon Burks. AJ losing AJ Brown hurts, but I think they're going to be just fine at the wide receiver position. I'm going to stick with a B. Uh, and let's talk. You got another English. If you got a good reason for me to bump them up to an A, Red. send it. I think B is a solid within range of kind of where I was thinking anyway, so I'm okay with it. So we have almost the entire AFC South at a B. That's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, we knocked the Texans down to a B while you were gone, Ben. You could, you did, you had no chance to rebut. So, take right, that. that's that's fine. I don't know what's going on with my microphone. This is the second week in a row it's done that, so I'll have to do some digging, some research, or maybe just upgrade off a of snowball. Finally, no, <laughs> refuse. <laughs> uh, that leaves one division remaining here: the AFC West. Definitely, I think, save the best for last. Uh, all these teams made some pretty significant changes in the offseason. Whether or not they were improvements, now's our chance to discuss. Uh, we're starting with the Denver Broncos, new coaching staff, uh, interesting moves in free agency. The biggest move, of course, was that big trade with the Seattle Seahawks. And we're starting off with Bug. Yeah, they gave up a lot to get Russell Wilson. They lost... A decent amount, too, right? I'm not talking about Drew Locke. I'm not talking about Noah Fan. I'm not talking about Shelby Harris. I'm talking about the draft picks that they had to give up here. That is honestly the biggest loss they had this offseason, and it's the biggest loss that they had really in a while. Russell Wilson is going to make an immediate impact on this team. I would have liked to have seen them get more weapons, but keeping Melvin Gordon there is huge for them. And you never know. Montreal, Washington could be a star out of nowhere coming from Samford. Got him in the fifth round. Fine draft. I have him at an A plus. I you know I would I would say it's an A, but I'm not very firm on that the more I'm looking back over this. I think I turned into Santa Claus as I was getting near the end of this list here. So uh I'll stick with an A for him right now, but a lot of that is riding on Russell Wilson and just how much he's going to be able to Elevate this team in the Mile High City. Go ahead, Tug. What do you got? Cool. They got a quarterback now. What do they have for an offensive line? <laughs> what What do they have for receivers? Cortland Sutton for three weeks before he gets injured again. They don't have Noah Fant. I. 
I like the move. wasn't good to begin with, so I like the move to go grab to go grab Russell Wilson. I really do. That being said, they took Russell from one situation, moved him to a different city, and put him in the exact same situation. More importantly, I'm looking at this defense. They have Patrick Sertain Jr., which is fantastic. Um, what else do you have to stop the opposing offenses in this in this division, which has the highest most potent offenses in the division. I like the moves they made. They had a good offseason, don't get me wrong. But, man, I just, I can't go Bubba B on this. I just, I don't see how they piece it all together and compete. I honestly 100% still believe this is the worst team in the AFC West. Not saying they're bad. They're just the worst team in the best division in football. That felt like a very hater take, you gotta say. I do not hate the offensive line like you do. Aaron Bowles has been coming on a lot stronger as of late at left tackle. Uh, Dalton Reisner has been solid at guard. And Lloyd Cushenberry started off terribly. I'll admit that at center. He's become a solid center. Uh, I also like Graham Glasgow. I mean, that's that's four of your five offensive linemen that I at least like above average. That's great. You don't have that everywhere. Uh, Cortland Sutton, sure. Jerry Judy is better than Cortland Sutton. And I like Tim Patrick as a consistent contributor, not as one of your top-tier receivers in the league. He is a consistent contributor, and that's somebody you can rely on. I mean, I, I like the defensive line, and, but here's the thing. I like the way this team was already constructed. They really did feel like they needed a quarterback to step in and be the, the final piece. Uh, the swing they made was huge. If they got him for a lot less, this would be an S offseason for the Russell Wilson trade itself. The thing is, they had to pay so much. They had to pay draft picks. Let's stop saying they paid so much. They gave up two first-round draft picks, two second-round draft picks. That hurts. That hurts. I'm not... I could see them if they if they felt like they had to. They have the pieces to trade back into the first or second round next year. Easily. But you lose Teddy Bridgewater, and here's the thing. You lost two quarterbacks that were very injury-prone. Right. Russell Wilson has played behind a worse offensive line his entire career. He won a Super Bowl doing that. And he's had the Seahawks competitive for the past three or four years with a much worse offensive line than what they have in Denver. You want to call the offensive line not good? Okay. It's better than what he had in Seattle, and he had that team competitive for the most part. I will also say that I really do like Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach hire. I don't know for sure whether that's going to work out or not. I don't know if that was really his offense in Green Bay or not. I like the idea there. We'll find out. And also, stealing Randy Gregory away from the Dallas Cowboys the way they did was pretty awesome. And that's a huge addition to this defensive line. Him paired with Bradley Chubb ought to be an intimidating pass rush. Assuming Bradley Chubb can stay healthy, which it looks like he's coming into the season healthy for the first time in a while. So I, I think that it's, it's like a borderline of an A for me, and I think, I think I'm inclined to lean A right now. Yeah, I think the only thing that keeps them from being an S, honestly, is you only add two, three secondary players, Damari Mathis out of Pitt, uh, Dolaren Turner-Yale out of OU, who had a great season, by the way. Right. And... Uh, Fayon I mean, Nick, Hicks Nick out of Wisconsin, Benito. who's just listed as a defensive back. 
Nick Zito is another edge rusher that makes this an interesting defense. Uh, and you need all the pass rushing help you can get. So Randy Gregory, Nick Benito, and Bradley Chubb. That's that's a pretty pretty cool defensive front. Uh, Greg Dulcich was one of the most athletic tight end options in the entire draft, if not the most athletic tight end option. I don't think you're losing anything replacing uh, Noah Fant with Greg Dulcich. If anything, you're getting better there. I mean, I think this is—I think this is a solid A. That puts it two to one against me. So, just <laughs> <laughs> firm in that B category. All right, all right. Uh, moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think I'm actually the highest on them this offseason. You are. Um, yeah, Tyreek Hill—that's a big loss. Of course, it is. have to admit I kind of don't care this is still one of the best rosters in the NFL and in exchange for Tyreek Hill they just went out and solved half their defensive problems I mean Trent McDuffie George Karloftis in the first round isn't that exactly what I wanted them to do in our mock draft on the podcast so that not in that out. order you had George Karloftis gone a lot earlier yeah, so their their first pick instead of Trent McDuffie, and then later I had them taking a corner. So this really worked out for the Chiefs in the first round. And then the second round, they got Sky Moore, who actually, production-wise, was better than some of the guys that got taken in the first round at receiver. I mean, I, I think this draft was great. Great. They re-signed Orlando Brown. They got younger at safety with probably roughly equal talent. I know you're giving up the experience of Tyron Matthew, but Justin Reed is a very solid safety. And I know, I know, replacing Tyreek Hill with Juju Smith Schuster doesn't feel like oh my you know, god, doesn't feel like you're really making oh, any no. kind of move. I'm going to be dropping them now because you just reminded me that we now have Juju and goddamn Jackson Mahomes on the same goddamn. Not on the same team. Yeah. Jackson Holmes is not on the roster. It doesn't have to be on the roster. They're in the same city. <laughs> and they go up a letter grade because they dropped Daniel Sorensen. So this is an <laughs> A offseason for me. I'm 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 You you had me convinced to give him a B. All right. I, I'm fine. I tug obviously you're gonna be the lowest here. Yeah. Uh at this point. So we're going out of order a little bit. Because I had him at a C, we both had him at a C. But I, I can't I can't not speak up. You definitely convinced me because you didn't even touch on Brian Cook. Uh, I forgot how good he was at Cincinnati until I really started to look. Like you mentioned, uh, who'd you even mention? Justin Reed. I just said Justin the top Reed. three. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned Justin Reed. Right. They added a rookie that's going to be really damn good, too. So, right. Right. Matthew, I didn't yeah. keep going down the draft. I love Joshua Williams' pick, too. And Darian Kennard, I felt, could have gone on the third round. Honestly, as a seventh-round guy, Isaiah Pacheco makes a ton of sense. That is your punt and kick returner replacement mm-hmm. for Tyreek Hill. He yep. was really good at that. Like, if there was one thing you would have called Rutgers good at in football, it was punt and Special kick returns teams. with this guy. So that makes it's perfect. 
Yeah, uh, would have loved to have seen Tyreek Hill, or not Tyreek Hill, Tariq Cohen fill that role, but he destroyed his leg on Instagram Live, so go check that out if you haven't seen it. It's disgusting. I'm cool with bumping him up to a B. I don't know that I'm comfortable going all the way up to an A, and that's just because, man, I don't know that you equal out what you lost with Tyreek Hill, and a lot of people are looking at this like, hey, maybe that's why Patrick Mahomes was so successful, putting more of it on Tyreek Hill than on Patrick Mahomes, so... I don't know how legit any of that is, uh, but I will say it hurts their offense, and I don't know that Juju and Sky Moore, I don't know that you get the uh, value added. So I'm going to come in. I am going to stick with the C that I was going to give them originally um, because, to me, they maintained all the way through. Yes, they had a great draft. I agree 100%. Yes, they had addition by subtraction by getting rid of Sorensen, who, by the way, is still playing with the Honey Magic. Um, but they did lose a lot offensively. Um, I'm not going to say that Tyree kill is the only reason for Patrick Mahomes success. That is asinine. Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback, uh, and they complemented each other very well. But Ben, you are also right when you say they didn't really replace him. They have talent there now. It's just in different ways. Your number one wide, wide receiver is going to be Juju. Miko mm, Hardman, maybe. I do like Sky Moore. I do like Sky Moore a lot, but I I'm willing to throw Sky Moore number one. And that's that's right. kind of that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm okay um, with that. I think he should have gone middle of first round. And Sky Moore is great. Yeah, and, and no, I think you guys are forgetting too. I mean, we're looking at the addition of Lonnie Johnson. I mean, this secondary was completely rebuilt this offseason. Yes. That was one of our big complaints about the team. Frank Clark took a pay cut, and they added George Karloftis. This pass rush got better and cheaper at the same time. That's amazing. Those are some professional-level moves. And Chad Henney, the guy who won them a playoff game two years ago, single-handedly, oh, no. is back oh, on the no. roster. I like I said, I like it. I I I'll meet you guys in the middle. I'll go with the B. All right. Because you went A, you've up to A, Ben up to B, I went C, so we'll we'll meet in the middle and go B. Okay. I think the Chiefs are still really good. So uh, yeah. I, I do too. That's not saying that they're a bad team. Like that's not at right, all what right. I'm saying. This is right. This is not a tier list of how we think the final standings in the AFC are gonna turn out. This is a tier list of their offseason moves. Yep. But still, I think I think this was a good offseason for the Chiefs, even with getting rid of Tyreek Hill. <clears throat> so, down to two teams left. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are up next. And we're starting off with Bug. I've got them at an S. And kind of like what you said here, if they'd have kept Rick Basatia, you'd have had them higher. I, I agree. They would have been off this chart if they'd have been able to keep Rick Basatia. I'm I'm still a little heartbroken about that. However, Josh McDaniels, I think, is going to be a great head coach for him. Dave Ziegler coming in as GM, I think, is going to be fantastic for them. Former Patriots director of player personnel. Got a lot of guys coming off that uh, uh, that tree from the evil empire, filling different roles out there. Then you go look at their draft, getting Dylan Parham uh, in the third round with their first pick of the draft. as a mere wide running back. And you're able to retain. Let's, let's be real. Let's be real. They drafted Devontae Adams with their first and second round pick. So exactly. Solid. <laughs> exactly. They get Devontae Adams. They maintain or they re-sign Derek Carr, Max Crosby. 
look, I, looking at who they lost, cool, whatever. Are they hurt by it? Absolutely not. This team made a lot of great moves. They didn't have to make a ton. They were on the cuffs. You saw how they turned around once they got Bonehead out of there. Man, this is going to be a very good team. I have them solidly as having an S tier all wait, season. Wait, Bonehead John Gruden or Bonehead Henry Ruggs? John Gruden. Or all of the above. Um, I'll take it here because there's one thing. This would be an S tier with me, Ben, except I don't like the coaching staff hires. Josh McDaniels, great offensive coordinator, struggled heavily when he got away from Bill and went down to Denver. Um, You just highlighted that their new GM is the Patriots director of player personnel. That sounds fantastic on the surface, but then you realize, can you guys point to one person that has come off of Bill Belichick's coaching tree that's actually been successful. That um, Brian Flores, if he wasn't getting paid to lose. And that's cool. So we have one out of how many? Right? Because that I, I would tend to agree there. Um, yeah. So I don't know. For, Bill O'Brien had the team looking pretty good for a while, too. Yeah, and then he went and tried to be <laughs> Bill Belichick again. And Jack oh, Hattler. man. Um, it's when so, they try to be Bill Belichick that they don't do right. well. So well, and me, and when they go and try to coach the Detroit Lions or something. Stupid. I mean, that's that, that's not even fair. Right. So, so for me, breaking this down, all of their player moves are S tier, hundred percent. But their coaching staff, their their front office moves, give me some <laughs> questions, which is going to bring it down to an A for me. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick at the A on this, but. I don't think you're far off with your your player analysis. I'm just not excited about this coaching staff. I think dropping him a whole letter grade because of Josh sir, Daniels. Sir, feels- I can't give them partial grades, so I have to do something. It feels harsh because I think literally everything else they did is an S tier. And I'm okay bumping them up to S tier even though I am not convinced Josh McDaniels is the best possible move they could have made there. And I think we all agree there was a better move sitting right in front of them and the guy who took them to the playoffs when they were not in playoff contention. Circling the drain, some would say. I, so, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, sir, that feels like a very personal attack at my analysis, and I approve. That's definitely not what it was. But also, <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I I love all the moves they made. They upgraded a defensive end, re-signing Max Crosby, and adding Chandler Jones. Wow. Wow. What else do you want a defensive front? You re-signed Derek Carr, who, at this point, let's actually have a conversation about how good Derek Carr is, please, instead of hating on him every offseason because John Gruden didn't get along with him. He is a good quarterback. I think he's probably better than Kirk Cousins. So let's be let's be honest here. This isn't that's another move. man that how does he keep getting paid? So Devonta Adams being your Henry Ruggs replacement. I mean, how could you ask for anything better? That is that's beautiful. Old and college, college connection. Yep. They've they've wanted to play together the entire time they've been in the NFL to finally make it happen, and for a reasonable deal. I mean, only your first and second round pick this year. You are not drafting anybody at the caliber of Devontae Adams in the first or second round. I mean, 
you're hoping you get somebody who is three quarters of his skill set you know, over the course of their tenure career. You're not drafting Devonte Adams. Nobody drafts Devonte Adams. So this is it's it's great. I love it. They they even drafted an interior offensive lineman, which is something we all agreed they needed. And they had drafted two of them. <laughs> Technically, I think they are Munford probably kicks inside. So and, and they drafted a Memphis inside lineman. Well, I wasn't bumping them up a grade for that, but. You know, if we want to keep up the theme of fuck Dugas, uh, yes, it's because he was a Memphis guy. If they would have drafted an Air Force guy, this would have been a D. But it's a Memphis guy, so it's an S. <laughs> fuck your school in particular. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple signings. And Zamir White is the better of the two Georgia backs in this draft. I don't like James Cook. I can't wait for James Cook to have the better season. I know, me, be, me too. Like idiots. <laughs> me too. I can't wait. That so leaves the uh, last year. Yeah. That's, at least one that team. Means. And let's just all say the grade we have for the Chargers at once. One, two, three. S. Yes. Uh, they're going in number one spot. Chargers. <laughs> Does anybody have anything negative to say? Because I think we all say the same thing. Like, this was an absolute <laughs> historic offseason for them. They hit everything they might possibly need for years to come. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. They did lose Duosu, who... Who? I don't know the, who their new special teams coordinator is, but I also don't know many special teams coordinators. So, that's fine. <laughs> um, not the biggest fan of Dean Leonard at Ole Miss. Also, he's a seventh-round pick, so who cares? <laughs> um, if the Chargers are not competing for the division title, at least within two games of the division title at the end of the season, this will be a massive failure, and you need, you need to reevaluate your coaching staff. Thanks. Because this team is set up to win in a big way. And the Chiefs are a little bit, a little bit down. You have to say that. I mean, the offense is a little bit down from what it was. The defense definitely improved, but the Chargers' offense improved too, and the Chargers' defense also improved. I mean, this is this is amazing. They 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 got better everywhere. I, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's there. It is wow. Got Cool Mac for basically free. Right. Right. So awesome. we all all agreed they needed an offensive lineman. They got and one of the nastiest dudes in the entire draft. And then they yeah. got an honorary big dude. The fullback. Eh, seventh round nerd. That's fun. I mean, as far as fullbacks go, Sandra Horvath is a pretty decent. My my dude got drafted. He's a fullback. That's a win. Jamari Saylor in the sixth. Yeah, I think of that too. He never allowed a sack in his entire college career. So he might find his way into a starting role at some point in the near future. I think on the rookie contract, he finds his way onto a regular rotation at least, which I know you don't usually rotate offensive line, but you know, at least getting in the two deep as a sixth round pick, that's something that doesn't happen all the time. So I think he's very much capable of that. 
And, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I love everything here. The one-two punch, Lawson Eckler, and Isaiah Spiller, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. How do you get two guys who are great at, like, three different things? <laughs> I mean, that just that doesn't happen at running back, usually. The running back rooms, you have one guy who's, like, good at two things and one guy who's good at one completely different thing, and you combine them. Well, now you have a combination of speed, size, and catching at both your number one and number two running backs. That's that's great. I mean, yeah. The Chargers no. had a hell of an offseason. 100%. <laughs> 100%. You want to talk about not fair to have to watch a team do in the offseason. Everybody should be jealous of what the Chargers pulled off this year. Yep. So, honestly, that does it for our offseason grades for this episode. We will be back next week with the entire NFC. I mean, this took us an hour to get through one conference. So, expect another big, long conversation next week. For the NFC, we're going through all the teams like what we did this time. Coaching changes, uh, free agency changes, trades, retirements, the draft. Talk about everything the team did in the offseason. Throw it up on a tier list. Uh, if you do want to check out those tier lists, they were made on the BDT Twitter account. So, go ahead and check them out. Throw uh, us your own suggestions. Hey, hey, Doug, where can we find the BDT Twitter account? That's twitter.com slash or at BDT football. Wait, I said that really weird. Go to Twitter at BDT football. It's also probably twitter.com slash BDT football. It is. But who does it that way? Uh, Facebook.com slash BDT football. Uh, Instagram, we are at BDT underscore football because reasons. Also, you can find us at our website, BDT football.com. And, uh, Mailbox at bdtfootball.com is our email address. And if you are so inclined, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bdtfootball. If you think bdtfootball, you will find us pretty much everywhere. So very excited to talk to you if you feel so inclined. And if you're watching on Twitch and you haven't hit that follow button, we sure would appreciate it. If you're watching on Facebook, check out twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches, all one word. Shoot us a follow. We'd be much appreciative of that as well. And guys, I, I think that about does it for me this week. Uh, I'm tired, but I do have a question for you guys. Oh, God. Fire Why did the orange lose the race? I'm scared. It ran out of juice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is clearly all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening or watching. And just remember, you can't win again. You can't win again.